Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who, according to his t-shirt, is a rugged maniac. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I uh, am wearing an undershirt as we record. I have yeah. my other shirt on, but once again, I've forgotten that it's Richmond, which means one day it's 30 degrees and then the next day it's 65. Weather is variable. It um, really is. What is rugged maniac all about? Oh, it's one of those like you know like extreme race things where you like climb obstacles and run through oh, mud and all that did good stuff. Did you do it or did you get that t-shirt from someone else? I did. You uh, did myself it? and my wife and uh, my brother-in-law, Evan. Nice. Yeah. Good for you guys. Yeah. Recently or did I just forget? It was a couple of years ago. All right. We chose not to tell you. Is that right? We didn't want to worry you. <laughs> it was the Don't Tell Daryl Rugged Maniac uh, it, it was. And I think it was also like I had a sprained knee or something and I was coming back from that and I probably shouldn't have done it, but it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. The younger days when, ah, whatever, I'm sure I'll recover. <laughs> I can still play on Sunday. My leg is still hurting from that from that one uh, like knee to thigh contact I got like a month ago. Still hurts. Ooh, Aging well, is fun. Welcome to your mid-30s. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are here We've today. covered weather and uh, medical issues. Anything yeah. else we can talk about that will annoy people? It's definitely time to move on to the show. Traffic? Today's show, today's show is mm-hmm. one of those news you might have missed catch-ups yep. we've been slash we, news we have not talked about slash missed yeah yeah i like to try and blame other people yeah. <laughs> but it's news we haven't managed to talk about on tss yeah right? <laughs> but i love these because mm-hmm. we managed to catch up on things that don't fit into our champions league review or into like being on the train in new york and you know what i mean we, yep. we've been busy right so mm-hmm. i want to catch up on all this news um i have what seven or eight items in front of me i believe you have the same somewhere around there and listeners tend to enjoy these i think from what i've heard because we get through a lot of topics really quickly yep. i'm going to invite you mr rugged maniac to go first um my first one is is maybe I'm going to say it's like two because there are so many things, but it's basically just the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, we have not really talked about it. Yeah. Uh, we did go to a CONCACAF Champions League game. We went to yes. the NYCFC's second leg uh, in which they won. They advanced. They did. Uh, but we, we one nil, 6-3 on aggregate. You got it. Yeah. Uh, we ended up watching a fair amount of the CONCACAF Champions League together because we watched the second leg of LAFC's uh, come back against... Leon. Thank you. Uh, I have the notes in front of me and I'm just not looking. And then we also watched I'm better Seattle. Than your notes. I'm more reliable than your notes. We also watched Seattle. Do exciting things and then do not exciting Ooh, things yeah. in the penalty shootout. So what Seattle conceded late, mm-hmm. um, tied on aggregate, and yep. lost in the shootout. You got it. Exactly. So what, what's the situation with, um, I'm, I'm going to say U.S. teams, not just mm-hmm. MLS teams. I'm not just, I'm going to say U.S. Mean, teams. North American yeah. teams? You North mean? American teams. North American teams. What's this, well, not Mexican teams. What's the situation with MLS teams? Sure. In the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, we have, in the next round, we have uh, Club America versus uh, Atlanta. Not Atalanta, but Atlanta. <laughs> uh, they got past uh, Motagua of Honduras 4-1 yep. on aggregate. Uh, that- That's a great game. Club America against Atlanta. It is. I'm interested because it will be played not at Mercedes-Benz Arena, which we thought it would be, which we thought would be a very good, like, lively atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure it's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That might be. I always get it confused if it's the stadium arena. Uh, Instead, it will be played at Fifth Third Bank, which is uh, Atlanta United 2's. Like in in the the lobby? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's Atlanta United 2's ground, which has a capacity of 10,500. Yeah. Because this is where I get confused. I messaged Felipe about this. He was uncertain Felipe Cardenas of the Athletic? That's the one. Yeah. Uh, March Madness does not happen at Mercedes Benz. Uh, I'm trying to think Stadium. of another, I'm trying to think of a way to say it. Uh, amphitheater um, until April 4th. That game is on March 11th. So I, or March 18th, I believe it is, so, because it's the second leg is being played in Atlanta. All I can figure is that they need that time to make the stadium look right for March Madness. It feels like a thing that they could have done to allow the team to play at home. But I guess mixed use stadium. This is what happens. That stadium is gigantic mm-hmm. for March Madness. It really is. Yeah. But that's where the final four right, will what, be. So what else? What else we got in the? Uh, We've the got round. Montreal versus uh, Olympia. 
Olympia. Uh, okay. Montreal can get the revenge for Seattle, uh, for Seattle getting knocked out. We've got NYCFC versus Tigres. The Ooh, big story there is that uh, Yankee Stadium's field is still not ready. The Yankees are not likely to let NYCFC utilize that field early. Also, there is some speculation, some uncertainty as to whether or not Yankee Stadium has even been approved for CONCACAF Champions League play. Mm-hmm. Uh, City Field cannot be used for similar reasons because Are of the we Mets. going back to New Jersey? Uh, that is the report as okay. of now, is that it is most likely that these, this uh, game, March 11th, Wednesday, March 11th, at least at 8 p.m. this time, not 6 p.m., will be played at Red Bull Arena, NYCFC versus Tigres. Well, NYCFC are... Unbeaten, using it as their home stadium. There we go. Yeah. What, what else we got? Who else? <laughs> and the final one would be LAFC Cruz Azul. Ooh, yes, these are great games. So it's possible you could get all four uh, remaining MLS teams making it to the semifinal. Anything's possible. Feels like it's going to be pretty tough. Feels like it could be tough. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then there's been much speculation. I would just say I'm not even going to speculate. I just hope that at least one MLS team survives to the semifinal round. That's you take one. I mean, I mean, yes, if, if that's all I'm offered. I yeah. would like to see a semifinal. But if you, if you were like, we don't play the games, one team goes through, mm-hmm. or you can take your chances and we play the games, yeah. you would take one team in the semis. No, I think, I, I yeah. think I'd take my chances. I'd roll those dice. Yeah, roll those dice. I'm really, I really am sad the reason why... Roll those why, CONCACAF dice. <laughs> yes. The reason why I kind of spotlighted Atlanta United Stadium issue is just because we so often see, be it Mexico national team or Mexican clubs, come to the United States and they are the majority of the fan base at any given stadium. Yeah. And this felt like the one time that we would have had maybe some Atlanta fans go to Club America. It would have been crazy, raucous, and very pro Club America. Then they would have come to Atlanta, and we've been in that stadium. We've seen yes. how it goes. That would have been 80,000 people going nuts. Instead, we're going to get 10,500, still being very vocal, but not quite that same level. Right. Okay. So I guess we'll see. We shall see. Um, I've got some more news for you, Taylor. You um, while we were at the uh, MLS, MLS 25th anniversary, mm-hmm. 25th season kickoff, um, Greg Berhalter told reporters that Gio Reyna, mm-hmm. Gio Reyna of Borussia Dortmund, will be on the U.S. men's national team roster for the March friendlies against the Netherlands and Wales. Mm-hmm. It's he, a bit, he just straight up said it. He was pretty candid with some of those questions. Yes. I forget what the other one was, but he was asked about a certain player. And he's like, yeah, we're going to use him. She's like, oh, okay. He's just telling us the truth. He says, we talked over the last year that we want our young players playing mm-hmm. and performing at a high level. And because of that, he gets an opportunity with mm-hmm. the first team. There we go. There we go. Um, we will have more from Greg Berhalter, that like five-minute quick chat I had with him. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to p- try to put on a show maybe later midweek this week is, is the goal because Daryl's going to be in Boston. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to be doing an interview Wednesday. Uh, Berhalter might go on that interview show. Lovely. So you'll hear from Greg Berhalter mm-hmm. on the Total Soccer Show uh, yeah. this Wednesday. I've got another quote for you. He uh, stared straight into my soul. Did he really? Yes. <laughs> uh, he was looking at that Rugged Maniac t-shirt. That's the one. <laughs> um, so Berhalter says... What I really like about Joe Reyna mm-hmm. is when he gets the ball in the pocket, his awareness to turn and efficiency is excellent. He doesn't waste any touches to turn, which I think is true whenever mm-hmm. you see Reyna. It's a quick turn. Um, his ball security under pressure is phenomenal. And then he also added that he plans to use Reyna as um, either side wing or as a number 10 hmm. in the U.S.'s 4-3-3. I guess that makes sense. My, my guess would have been that it would have been a 10 based solely on that description. That said, he, he does want those wingers to turn and go. He wants it to be able to play well in a half turn and mm-hmm. kind of combine and interchange. So I guess it makes sense. Well, we've also got some injuries to mm. a few U.S. men's national team. Would you like to go there next? Yeah, yeah it's, kind of, it's kind of bleak. I mean, there are, there are other ones, certainly, but the big ones that stand out, we know Paul Areola has torn his ACL, will be out for the uh, m- most likely the entirety of the season. I read nine months, which is, yeah, the whole yeah. season, and it's also probably the September mm-hmm. Hex Games. There's, there's almost no chance we see Paul Areola there. I think it's a big miss for the U.S. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so too would be Christian Pulisic if he... He 
continues to not be able to play. That's not as bad, um, though, right? No, still out with an adductor injury. Has not played since January 1st, which is troublesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like it's maybe a, a nagging issue that will take some time. Frank but Lampard, he, I believe, said he's not sure when Pulisic will next play. He has played this decade. That's good. But just the first day. Yeah, you know who hasn't since. is Zach Steffen. Zach Steffen has been out since mid-December with uh, that same knee issue, knee tendonitis is what it was then, that he's been out for three months at this point. Uh, slightly more worrying in terms of the severity of that condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he probably will not be available for the March friendlies either. So we may have a bit of an experimental roster, at least some new faces, as you said, uh, off-air if Dwayne Holmes can't get called into this one. He's never getting <laughs> called in. Um, and then the other big one that was announced, I think, late last week, Tim Weah is out for the rest of the season. Uh, the 19-year-old has made a total of three appearances uh, this year in Ligue 1. So he came back, right? Mm-hmm. He came back from that injury. He, he was had... on the field for Lille. Yep. What happened? So two appearances in August. Then he uh, tears his hamstring, recovers from that, does all the medical training, does all the rehab, gets back, plays 10 minutes on February 16th against Marseille, comes out, same injury, different leg, torn hamstring, out for the season, uh, will require surgery, has already had the surgery. He posted on Instagram a photo of him uh, recuperating. He could still go to the Olympics potentially uh, because those are in later July, uh, but that feels sort of like a questionable decision because of the injury uh, concerns he's had. Makes more sense probably for him in terms of his professional career to like kind of rehab fully, totally recover and yeah, then have I mean, a full preseason. Honestly, I'm not so concerned with the Olympics. I'm more yeah. concerned that this is a lost season yep. in Tim Ware's career. It really is. Right? This mm-hmm. was supposed to be the first year where he was either in or very close to the starting 11 with Lille, which he couldn't be at PSG. Mm-hmm. And it, it's essentially just been bad luck right, yep. with that hamstring tear. I, I, I would hesitate to go back and listen, but I think we had a list of question at the start of the season about which American will get the most time in the Champions League. Timothy, Timothy Weah was in that conversation. Yeah. And I don't think either one of us went for him. I'm pretty sure we both went with Christian Pulisic. Or no, we went with Tyler Adams because Sergio Dest wasn't yet American mm-hmm. at that point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Timothy Weah did not end up fulfilling those expectations, at least not this season. I want to focus for a second on the importance of the Paul Ariola injury. Sure. Because I understand that a lot of for a lot of people, he's not the mm-hmm. most exciting player. Like More people want to see Weah or Reyna or like one of these exciting fighting young names on the wing. But Ariola was the guy that, one, Berhalter really trusts. Mm-hmm. Two, he seems to have learned the system really well. Three, he is the guy that you go away in CONCACAF and you trust that Ariola is going to give you the fight and put in a really good shift. Yep. I really think that we're going to miss him um, come September, October, November when we go and play those hex qualifiers, yeah. the World I mean, Cup qualifiers. For all the reasons you mentioned, and then just because like he knows the system, he's one of Berhalter's guys, he seems to have been that from the very beginning. Yeah. So now it's not just the effort and work rate he brings, it's that lack of familiarity that the next player coming through yeah. will have to make up for if they can. Uh, somewhat related, I don't know if this is on your news later on, but DC have made a, a some, something of a replacement signing, at least to, I know it's not a direct replacement, mm-hmm. but we both saw today, Iguain yep. signed for DC United. He did. As Not a, Gonzalo Federico. No. Uh, as a player coach. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how many minutes he gets. We'll see wh- what status he has at the end of the season, oh. is how I'm going to phrase that. It's quite exciting, though, to see Iguain back in action. Yeah. 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm good for it. It is not maybe quite the same level that people were expecting in terms of impact signings that DC could have brought in, yeah, but yeah. still mostly exciting, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, all right, other big news. Mm-hmm. Um, the 50-man preliminary Olympic roster has been named. Basically, everybody had to. I think you, they're under 20, right? They're under 23? I'm going to say 50-child roster. <laughs> 
It's, everybody on the mm-hmm. roster has to be under 23. It's for the Olympic qualifying tournament that happens. It starts March 20th. The big news, I would say, if you look at the, uh, the list of names, is there are definitely none of the big names on there, okay. right? No Tyler Adams, no Josh Sargent, no Christian Pulisic, no Weston McKenney. It was never likely anyway, right? Because this falls just a little bit on either side. It falls slightly outside the FIFA window. Mm. Gio Reyna's name is on there. Mm. That is a short name. It is. It's what a short name. Well, you said none of the big names. Some oh, wait, short names. You're better than that. Hey, hey, you're better than that. I'm not, but you are. You went bank lobby. I get to go short names. Joe <laughs> Reyna's name is on there, but uh-huh. um, again, when uh, Reyna, uh, excuse me, when Berhalter was talking mm-hmm. about calling Reyna up for the March friendlies, he said that Dortmund had already refused to <laughs> release him for Olympic qualifying, which okay. again just says that Reyna is part of the Dortmund first team. It also is one of those brief moments when I like ponder why we do what we do because <laughs> it's like we have so many conversations about will they, what could they do, how could he be like sort of let go for Olympics and what would that mean long term? And then I just have this idea of like the U.S. Federation calling and they just be like, nah. And it was like, that's it. <laughs> like all those hours <laughs> of speculation and kind of maneuvering. It's just like, nope, no thanks. Well, so other exciting names on there. Mm-hmm. Ulysses Yanez, um, obviously made his national team debut yep. um, in January. He's not with the Wolfsburg first team. It makes sense that Ulysses Yanez will mm-hmm. be available for those Olympic qualifiers and four FC Dallas players. That seems low, actually, for FC Dallas. But it's interesting, right? Yeah. Reggie Cannon, Paxton Pomacal, who scored yeah. this weekend, um, Jesus Ferreira, who mm-hmm. got an assist this weekend, and Brandon Savagna. Mm-hmm. Will FC Dallas release four first team players from that, like March 20th to April 1st? That seems like a lot. It that does, seems like a it? lot to have to release. And yet, I would expect every single name mm-hmm. to be part of like a first choice U23 Olympic qualifying yeah. team. So I don't know if there's going to have to be some tough decisions made, or if we just have to twist some arms at FC Dallas. Or there'll be some fake injuries. Like, oh, no, he can't go. He <laughs> hurt his hamstring. Didn't you? Uh, I should also say... <laughs> Paxton has a moustache injury. <laughs> He's not used to it yet. He doesn't know how to take care of it. I, I should also just clarify, the only four players was not a shot at FC Dallas. I just operated the assumption that if need be, their entire academy could more or less play for like, could double as the U.S. Olympic squad. Well, that's the upside, right? If FC Dallas do lose a bunch of players, mm-hmm. they definitely have a yeah. wave of talent, uh, North Texas SC, that, that could easily yeah. fill in. Yeah. I feel like they've got a nine-year-old in there somewhere yeah. who's just waiting to go. Honestly, Ferreira goes to U23 qualifying, mm-hmm. Ricardo Pepe. Step on up. Hey. Step on up, buddy. Here we go. Here <laughs> so we there go. You go. The 50-man uh, preliminary Olympic roster has been named. You can find it on the CONCACAF website mm. if you want to read through all 50 names. While we are talking uh, Americans doing things, I've got an American who is sort of doing things. Uh, it's Tyler Boyd, who is sort mm. of playing for Besiktas. Uh, he's gotten minutes in four of their last five games. Uh, started this past weekend as a number 10 in a 4-2-3-1, which is interesting. interesting to see. Usually he is swapping in for uh, uh, Kevin Prince Boateng, who yep. has been the number 10 for Besiktas, or he's getting minutes at wide on either wing as a substitute. But given where Tyler Boyd was previously, he would have been on that list of players that we kind of forgot were potentially eligible for the March friendlies, that like, wasn't getting any playing time that seemed to be very much on the outs, that he has found his way back in and is now getting those substitute appearances, is getting an occasional start or two, to me says he has kind of adjusted his game, learned what he needed to learn. He's and a as potential we- beneficiary of the Paul Areola injury. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to watching more footage from him for Besiktas, assuming he continues to play. Are you there? So you can see it. Well, I would it just depends like to if see. there's anything encouraging to see in that footage, right? I'm choosing to believe that there is. Okay. Just because Besiktas are a, they're currently fifth, I think, in the Turkish Super League, are a big enough club that if he hadn't adjusted, if he hadn't evolved his game, he would just be on the outs until they got rid of him or until somebody else came through and then they kind of forgot they even had him on the books. Right. So I'm just choosing to believe that he has done enough 
to earn a little bit of good faith. And so I'm going to reward that by watching him. I'm sure he cares. I will share you in, uh, in having good faith. Though. All right. Um, all right. I've got some MLS news. Mm. Um, as reported by Sam Stasko, um MLS roster rules um, are available. Sam reported that? Sam Stasko no. of uh, The Athletic and mm. Allocation Disorder, a podcast you can find in this feed. One of the new rules, this is separate to the CBA, right? CBA is about how the players are treated. Roster rules are more about what the teams do with their money. Mm-hmm. There's been a big change that makes MLS more of a selling league. It makes it more um, enticing for clubs to sell players, right? It used to be that a non-homegrown player, when you sell them to a foreign team, mm-hmm. as in a non-American team or a non-MLS team, you only kept 75% of the transfer fee. You had to give a quarter to Major League Soccer. Like they were, you know, the the mob buses mm-hmm. <laughs> team would go around to the shops and be like, give us that 25%. Yep. <laughs> I haven't got it. You'll have to find it. Work harder. <laughs> um, the new the new split is it, 90. It, it would be a shame if one of your players were set on fire. Yeah. Is that how that goes? <laughs> be a shame if that training ground uh, <laughs> got some windows smashed. Um, the new deal is 95%. Yep. 95% of transfer fees teams can keep. Only 5% now goes to the bus. Okay. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. This, the, the mob is liberalizing. Um, can I take us off topic for a moment? Yeah. It relates to this. It's just that's one of my favorite scenes in all of The Sopranos is the scene when they go to shake down like the new like corporate franchise coffee bar or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's the only thing. like They're just powerless because like, yeah, we can't do that. Like, no, we have, <laughs> we have rules and they really don't have a way around it because it's not some locally owned company. It's an, it's an amazing scene. It's, one, it's one of my favorite ones. Brilliant. Well, the, the new deal is that um, every MLS uh, team mm-hmm. can keep 95% of the, uh, the income raised by selling players, and they can convert up to $1 million of every transfer sale into general allocation money. Which it, is a big deal. It really is. It was previously 750000 so they could do it before, but you really could take your salary cap and you could just keep adding a million dollars to it every time you sell a player. So that might be the that might be the way around. If you could sell like three players during mm-hmm. the season for over a million dollars, you could you could really bump your uh, bump your salary cap up. MLS doesn't make it easy to talk about MLS, do they? Just because like we're talking about these little things that to me I'm genuinely so excited about that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. they can spend more. It means they've got more money to spend. It incentivizes selling, and yet it's still like you get a million more. <laughs> you you get two hundred fifty thousand. It's just it's like it is so impactful, and yet because of the structures of the league, yeah. it might not seem that way to people who are less familiar with right. how structured it truly is. But I'm choosing to believe that all progress in terms of uh, I'm using the word again liberalizing yep. the how the money works mm-hmm. is is progress. Yeah. Right? Every step is a step in the right direction. Every step yeah. is a step in the right direction. <laughs> uh, every step towards securing your long-term future is probably a step in the right direction. Uh, and that's where today's sponsor comes in handy. Because if there's one thing that humans are not great at, it's predicting the future. Just take a look around. Daryl, do you see uh, any, any hover cars? I don't. Do you see any floating spaceships or any floating uh, apartments of any kind? Only on my TV screen. See, there we go. Because uh, anybody who predicted things about the future was incorrect. No amount of crystal balls, no fortune cookies or tea leaves could predict the world we're living in right now. But one way to kind of give yourself some security is via Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape for free. Uh, they also aren't just limited to life insurance. They can also help you find the right home and auto, disability insurance, what have you, what mm-hmm. needs you, they've got you. So smash your crystal ball. Do that. Um, or throw it through the window of a business that isn't paying you the percentage they owe 
you. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, just get prepared for anything with life insurance. You can find um, your best price and apply at policygenius.com in just a few minutes. Policy Genius will always get the future wrong, so we better get life insurance right. Thank you very much to Policy Genius for sponsoring today's show. Daryl, thank you for that because that does feel like a thing that the Sopranos or some sort of fictional mafia family would have done is thrown a crystal ball through the psychic's window uh-huh. who refused to pay up and then be like, did you see that coming? Huh? <laughs> see that in that crystal ball? Uh, I think uh, uh, it's up to me. Uh, I'm going to go with a slightly sadder one. I think it's slightly sadder. Uh, It's not quite a thing we missed because it happened last night slash today. But Daniel Sturridge has been Mm. banned until mid-June for violating FIFA betting rules. You see what he did? Uh, Basically, he – see, this is where it gets interesting to me because the details of it in terms of like what exactly he said – that makes me wonder a little bit. But essentially, he gave his family inside information about where he might be going so that they could then sort of indirectly or directly pass that along so they could then place bets yep. because then you can win I'm, money. He told them to place bets mm-hmm. on storage yep. moving to Sevilla. Mm-hmm. Yep. That move didn't go through. It did not. So it would have been... I mean, the crime here is that he gave his family really bad advice. They would have lost mm-hmm. the money that they bet. I believe they did. On storage moving to Seville. I believe they did lose money. Yeah. But then I believe... But you're also not supposed to do that no. because it's the equivalent of insider trading. This basically. is true. Yeah. And then I believe he also gave them insight uh, as to when he would be moving to West Brom. Oh, okay. But I think the bookies wouldn't take that money at that point because either right. it was like already a certainty and definitely going to happen or maybe the fix was in people knew things. But yep. either way, basically, he had initially uh, been sentenced to six-week ban, the final four of that suspension. A fine of seventy-five thousand pounds, uh, and essentially the FA appealed this, claiming that it was not strict enough, yeah. that it was uh, much more severe, it was too lenient. Uh, an independent appeals board reviewed it and agreed. They upheld the FA's appeal on the two charges, which means he's banned for six months. His fine is increased to one hundred fifty thousand pounds. As a result, his contract with Trabzonspor has been mutually terminated uh, for these uh, after six months of him playing there. He said, uh, and I kind of believe him that basically he was like, "I doesn't, doesn't feel right to take the money from a team that I can't be." Playing playing for, but I'm guessing also it's maybe Trabzon had a word with him about, hey, you cannot play for us anymore, so what do you want to do? <laughs> did he express any regret about, um, did he like say, I didn't understand the, the betting regulations? I think it's basically... It's not like betting on, it's not as corrupt mm-hmm. as like betting on yourself to miss a penalty kick mm-hmm. and then missing a penalty kick by like five yards to the right, right? It's no. not that bad. No. But it definitely feels like if he's if he'd sat through any sort of... Um, training about mm. how to not um, infringe on the gambling rules. Yeah. Maybe he slept through that part or something, or he was like on his phone <laughs> I, at that part. I think it was, it, it's just... He was not, on WhatsApp. It's definitely not a conciliatory, <laughs> like, I did something wrong and I deserve to be punished. I think it's much more like, I am devastated that I now can't pr- pursue my career for the next six months, and yeah. I was in this good position, and now I'm no longer in that spot. And it's much more... Uh, woe is me than it was, yes, I've done something wrong and kind of been caught. I don't know if that's because he doesn't want to acknowledge that or because he doesn't feel like he actually did anything wrong. Because there is always that possibility. I don't think it's likely. But what I was alluding to before is that he just said to his brother, like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to Sevilla. And then his brother took that and ran with it or his cousin or his father. Lots of different people involved in this one. Uh, But either way, uh, it won't much matter because the, the court upheld Six months, no soccer for Daniel Sturridge. So initially this was reported as he'd been released from his contract, maybe due to injury concerns. He's had a few different injuries this season. Uh, But in the end, yeah, no soccer for him until the summer. Although there will be MLS clubs who need a player in the summer, Daryl Grove. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Maybe. I mean, Atlanta could use a striker, Mm -hmm. right? Joseph Martinez, we got the bad news about his ACL. um, I wonder if he'll bet that he ends up there. (laughs) At least Sturridge won't get injured in the next few months. That's good. Yeah. That's <laughs> we'll be definitely good. Go. Silver linings, Daryl. I got some more news for you. What you got? 
the NWSL mm -hmm. has finally hired a new commissioner. So I don't know if you've been following this, but Jeff Plush, the commissioner mm -hmm. at NWSL, stepped down in 2017. They've yeah, been without a commissioner for three years. I thought Amanda Duffy was the commissioner. So did I. But she's not. She's, she's been. Not. I've seen her referred to regularly as the de facto commissioner. She was the managing director of operations. And then for the past year, she was um, given the job of president. She's now in charge at Orlando, right? So she's, mm -hmm. she was essentially filling in, doing the league a favor while the NWSL was searching and searching and searching for a commissioner. It looks to me like they've made a really good hire. Mm -hmm. Do you know about Lisa Baird's uh, background? I do not. I so, will just say that, once again, this continues the streak of things sounding mafia-like. Of like, oh, there's nobody in charge. No, <laughs> nobody here to take the heat. But this is good. Mm -hmm. I think this is what the NWSL needed. Um, Lisa Baird is the former chief marketing officer for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Mm -hmm. And she's also the former senior VP of marketing and licensing for the NFL. So essentially, they've hired a commissioner with a really strong background, not just as a sports executive, but with expertise in commercial the commercial aspect of sports because right. what the nwsl needs is more revenue right mm -hmm. right now if you look at the nwsl the sponsors are nike um thorn which is essentially like supplements and then there's that budweiser deal mm -hmm. which um, i think u.s soccer and soccer united marketing essentially made happen the nwsl didn't make happen didn't make happen mm -hmm. i think there's a lack of commercial expertise right. at the nwsl i think lisa baird not just being the commissioner that they didn't have before, she brings a lot of that commercial expertise and connections, right? It's much easier to get a deal done if you can phone someone you already know from yeah. your former background with yes. the NFL or with the US Olympic Committee and say, hey, are you interested in sponsoring the NWSL person I've known for three years? Yeah, a, you know a, a not cold call is always better than a cold call. A not cold call, yeah, yeah. a text even. A text, just a text with $3 signs. Um, not, not to put you on the spot, <laughs> have you seen much about like how this has been, what, the, what has been reaction from people that we tend to follow, like uh, Caitlin Murray or Meg Linehan or Jeff Kasouf? I read a Caitlin Murray story okay. um, on Yahoo Sports. Caitlin seemed really thumbs up on it. Um, mm -hmm. Her only concern was that um, she wants to make sure that this isn't just, oh, we hired Lisa Baird and now we're done. She wants to see that backed up with like more hires mm -hmm. um, and just the rest of the rest of the league uh, getting behind her and making sure things happen. All yeah, right. like all it right. can't just be highly so bad and then we all run away. No, <laughs> it cannot be. <laughs> it cannot be. All right. And then also related to the NWSL, um, mm -hmm. Grant Wall had reported early in February that that CBS deal looked like happening. I think he reported uh, later in February, later later that month, that the NWSL will get a TV deal with CBS, which will have a few games on main CBS, a few games on CBS Sports. I think they have a separate sports like cable mm -hmm. channel, right? Yeah. I think that's where basketball goes. Mm -hmm. And then other games will be on CBS Sports All Access. Yeah. So is this, your again, your sort of long-term plan to get CBS All Access? Is that what I'm hearing from you? Oh, yes. Oh, we, so we didn't record that conversation. <laughs> we didn't? Yeah. Oh, I thought I, we did. I want to watch Picard. That's all I'm looking at right now. Listeners, I'm I want, squinting at Daryl wondering if this is all part of the plan. I, I want it to be a business expense. So, yeah, <laughs> once the NWSL deal with CBS um, All Access is confirmed, we can get a CBS All Access subscription. And here is where I feel the need to tell people that I, I have heard you talk about your enthusiasm <laughs> for the Picard series. And yeah. I was sort of like, like, I know you like Star Trek yeah. and I know you like Star Wars. I didn't realize until on the ride home from New York on the train, Daryl was watching a curated series of episodes of Star Trek Voyager, I yeah, believe, yeah. of the most important episodes that you need to watch. Yeah, so instead of watching all of them, so there's someone has put a list yeah. together of just watch mm -hmm. these ones and you can get through the whole story. I guess what I'm trying to say is I knew the glasses were necessary. I just <laughs> didn't know they were also appropriate. I mean, the 2020 vision when they're on. 
when they're on. <laughs> um, a man who I'm going to assume has 2020 vision because he's been that good is Sergio Dest. Uh, let's go to happier news for Americans. He is starting regularly, even though Ajax is struggling. Uh, that is the sort of downside. Uh, he has played every minute of at least the last five games. Okay. So that's good. It is good, but he's starting because yeah. Masrawi is injured. Mm-hmm. Masrawi is still Ajax's first choice right back, I believe. I can't he's, hear the sound of Sergio Dest starting the last five he's games. He's just injured, and yeah. that's why Sergio Dest mm-hmm. is... At least there's no competition for Sergio Dest right now. Yep, yeah. uh, which is maybe not the best of things because in those five games, Ajax have been eliminated from the Europa League on uh, goal difference, uh, a 2-0 loss to Eintracht Frankfurt and then a 2-1 win, but you know, goal difference being what it is, so that's that. Uh, but then league losses to Heracles and AZ. AZ now are, have been in second, but to lose to them, it tightens up that race. They're now level on points. Um, so it's going to be a tighter season. I, I would assume that Sergio Dest is going to continue to get minutes, even, as, even when Masrawi returns. Uh-huh. I'm going to assume there's going to be more injuries. I'm going to assume there's going to be time for Dest. But the other thing that we have not yet talked about the is that news, there right? may well be time for Dest at Bayern Munich. Supposedly. Yes, so De Telegraph, which mm-hmm. is the D- uh, Dutch newspaper, reported in January, we just didn't talk about mm-hmm. it, that Bayern put in a 20 million euro bid for Serginho Dest. Mm-hmm. Bayern Munich bid 20 million euros for Serginho Dest in January. Ajax said no. Mm-hmm. They said it's winter, Masrawi's injured, also that's not enough money. Yep. Right? And then according to this De Telegraph report, um, Bayern will be back, mm-hmm. right? So they signed, um, I forgot his name, Osriola. Odriozola. Uh, Odriozola. They signed him on loan from Real Madrid, so yep. he's their right back to get them through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll be back in the summer with an improved bid for Serginho Dest. And based on the report I saw, if the money's right, mm-hmm. Ajax will sell. So we could have Serginho Dest at right back, Alfonso Davies at left back. And I think this is genuinely a win-win for him. Because if Bayern do return, it means their interest is serious. They really see him as a long-term option. And then they will probably add some more money. He'll end up going to Bayern Munich. If they don't, it means that he really was a sort of backup option, a temporary solution. Because they've had Benjamin Pavard starting at right back for the last however many months that Hansi Flick has been in charge. Yeah, yeah. And is their regular right back. But I think they want him to play central, right? Potentially, yeah. yeah. But, and they but, want Kimmich to play midfield, yeah. right? So I guess what I mean to say is that if we see Odriozola come in, get a bunch of games, and then he goes back to Madrid and now Bayern Munich revisit that interest with Ajax, then it means, yeah, Dest is probably their long-term right-back option or yep. at least one of the possible contenders. But again, if they don't, it means that he would have just been a short-term situation oh, I and see. instead staying with Ajax, maybe even next season or if he gets a move elsewhere. It yeah. means that wherever he does go or if he stays there, at least he's kind of got that short-medium-term solution locked down. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm weirdly, even though I'm enjoying Serginho Dest at Ajax, mm-hmm. it's still much more high-profile, mainstream uh, to, to be at Bayern Munich, I mean, right? It's one of the biggest clubs in the we world. We want CONCACAF conquering the wings for Bayern Munich. Yes, That, we that do. should be our goal. Davies yes, on one do. side, we get uh, Sergio Dest on the other. Maybe we add, uh, I don't know, who else could we throw in there? Let's just get Ricardo Pepe too. Why not? Let's get him to Bayern <laughs> Munich. I think that might be a little bit Nah, too, it's pretty much the same. A little bit too North soon. North Texas SC, Bayern Munich. Interchangeable. I got, I got roster news for you. What's that? The U.S. Women's National Team. Mm-hmm. Um, Vlatko has named his She Believes roster. It is 23 names. Yeah. It's the Olympic qualifying roster uh-huh. plus three. Okay. Right? So the, that same Olympic qualifying roster um, plus Mallory Pugh, who was with those 20 anyway. Mm-hmm. She was not on the roster, but she was with them in training. Um, Casey Short, the fullback, has been added. And Tiana Davidson, who was injured, centre-back, mm-hmm. left-back at a push, um, added to the roster. There's no drama there. No one's been cut. It's just players have been added. Mm-hmm. 
but it's still a strong-looking roster for the She Believes Cup. Games against England, Spain, and Japan are going to be March 5th, March 8th, March 11th. Mm-hmm. I would like us to commit to covering this tournament and getting a good look at Vlatko's US Women's National Team um, against these three high-profile teams. Yeah, that works yeah. for me because given the relatively brief nature of Vlatko's tenure thus far, it stands to reason that players could come in. Mallory Pugh, who was initially left off his uh, early rosters, like could come in, have a couple big impact games, and now he looks at her as, well, yeah, she could fit here and here and here, yeah. so now maybe she's in. So and I do I, think I'd that argue, she believes is more important than ever. I'd argue Jess McDonald's may be in trouble, yep. um, given her performance mm-hmm. at, uh, in the Olympic qualifying games mm. she was the the one striker who did not impress right yeah, I mean, so Mary Pugh could be looking at getting that spot mm-hmm. remember the actual olympics tiny tiny raster I, I would say i think I, it's 10 people you had to take to the i tournament. think i had a more favorable takeaway of her than you did but oh, really? i would still agree with your overall point which is that the attacking options are so strong mm-hmm. and as we talked about previously with alex morgan potentially coming back into olympic conversations if and when the united states qualifies when they qualify uh then then i think or they already have qualified. Qualified. yeah there yeah. we go see exactly there's you so many the games with me there are so many other qualifiers coming up that i get so confused <laughs> about what's happening and when but yes yeah, so there then it stands to reason that alex morgan could be in that conversation so i think with that in mind, Jess McDonald is probably the one who has least cemented her status. So she needs a really good she believes mm-hmm. gift. Yep. Um, you got any more news for me? Well, first, when is the United States going to start qualifying for the Olympics? I'm kidding. Uh, my final one I wanted to talk about. The men start March 20th. I don't care about them. Uh, I, want, I instead care about Jesse Marsh and what's happening with Mr. Marsh because mm. he's at RB Salzburg, obviously. RB Salzburg tend to win the Austrian Bundesliga. I believe you looked it up. They've won the last six, yep. was it? Um, but they find themselves currently in second place, six points behind league leaders Lask. And more troubling is that they have not won in their last five games. Uh, two draws and three losses. Uh, 6-3 aggregate scoreline against Eintracht Frankfurt means they were bounced from that competition. Yep. And now... So that's uh, the Europa League. Yeah. So then, but then they lose to first place Lask, as I said. They draw with austria Vienna. Then today, literally today, they lost to Rheindorf Altak, eighth out of 12 in the Austrian Bundesliga. So some worrying situations for... Uh, uh, for RB Salzburg. The difference, though, is that the way the Austrian Bundesliga works, there's still a chance that they're going to be, end up, are going yes. to be able to make up all those points. We learned this because we ran mm-hmm. into uh, Manuel Vett mm-hmm. um, in New York, yep. and he let us know that the Austrian Bundesliga splits into splits in half, basically. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a, to close out the season, you have a championship round mm-hmm. and a relegation round, yep. and the top half splits into, what, six teams, mm-hmm. and they play ten final games. Yep. Um, but the weird part is they halve the points, right? So the, the, there's the table now. Mm-hmm. You, everybody halves the points they have. Then you go into a split table and play ten more games. That is right. right. So, so how many points behind Lask are Salzburg right they now? They are currently six. So let's six go points behind. It. Right now with 21 games played, we have uh, Lask in first with 51 points, Salzburg with 45. So let's just go and assume, for sake of argument, they both win. Now Lask is at 54, so their halved would be 27 points. Uh, that would put Salzburg with 48, so half would be 24. So they're three points behind heading into the championship round, I believe okay. is what they call it. So start with a three-point deficit yep. and 10 games to mm-hmm. catch. Last, yep. this is a big deal, right? Because we were so positive about Jesse Marsh. Everyone was so positive about Jesse Marsh. There was those those toe to toe games with Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But if you become the RB Salzburg coach that didn't win the Austrian Bundesliga mm-hmm. after six times previously winning it, it doesn't look good. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
I would add, though, there is the extenuating circumstance of they did lose some players this winter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they lost uh, Erling Holland, obviously. Yep. They lose Takumi Minamino to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that we haven't talked about, uh, Maren uh, Pongracic. Uh, I, we haven't talked about it because I can't even pronounce his name. <laughs> exactly. 22-year-old center back sold to Wolfsburg in Germany for $11 yeah. million. Dollars. Uh, and Anderson Yangbo, uh, ten, uh, excuse me, 20-year-old center forward, sold to Ghent. So he lost four players in January. Right. You can trust that with, say, what Marco Rosa had to deal with last January. They sold one central midfielder. They also brought in Erling Holland last January. <laughs> uh, uh, Salzburg this time around had brought in a couple players, but nobody of that level of impact, at least not yet. So I do wonder if maybe that's an extenuating circumstance for Jesse Marsh, but yeah. I may also be hoping that it's an extenuating circumstance for him. So what we really want is at the end of the season to be able to say Jesse Marsh lost Erling Haaland and mm-hmm. Minamino and a couple other players, and he still will let a fight Austrian. back. Let a fight back. He still won the Austrian Bundesliga mm-hmm. with RB Salzburg. But it, that's but it what is. we're hoping for. But it's worth paying attention. If you've been mm-hmm. like in and out of the Austrian Bundesliga, it is worth paying attention after next week. Yeah. When we get to this championship mm-hmm. round, it's where the uh, what do I say? The rubber hits the road. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, if nothing else, they will have a it's game. Where the inner energy drink hits your tongue. <laughs> and they'll have a game at home and a game on the road against Lask. So six pointer right there. They could make it up, and suddenly they're back on top, and everything's rosy. But All not right. Rosa. Speaking of um, smaller European leagues, mm-hmm. I've got some interesting news yeah. for you. At the end of January, um, representatives from the Belgian League and the Dutch League, mm-hmm. big clubs and uh, league executives, they all met up and they had serious, serious talks about merging their leagues. And they left out Luxembourg? They did leave out Luxembourg. Man. The Belgian League and the Dutch League are going to join up and they're going to call it, they're, think, they're thinking about this anyway, thinking of calling it, calling it Beneliga. Beneliga um, to start in 2025, 10 Dutch teams, good league? eight Belgian teams. Isn't, that, isn't Bene good? In Italian. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that's, a, that, that's not the best name. I don't know. I, Portmanteau is not always the best route to well, go it's, here. It's what they're going with. <laughs> All right. The Beneliga right. is mm-hmm. the Belgian league and the Dutch league mm-hmm. uh, joining up, 10 Dutch teams, eight Belgian teams. The details were scarce, but there's also be some sort of promotion relegation where you could get sent back down to your domestic league and teams could come up from the domestic league. Interesting. The idea is that they just feel, the Dutch league and the Belgian league feel they just, they cannot keep up with the Bundesliga, the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, League 1 just in terms of mm-hmm. money. They, they, uh, they commissioned a Deloitte study. Deloitte basically said, all right, right, Deloitte have the soccer industry on lockdown, they don't do, they? Right? Yeah. Deloitte said, okay, basically you make 80 million euros a year from your TV rights. Mm-hmm. Each, each league makes about 80 million euros a year. If you combine we think you could command about 400 million euros wow. per year. So that both, both leagues would more than double um, their income from TV deals if they joined up. Mm-hmm. It's still not really enough to compete with the big, big leagues, yeah. but it kind of helps them, uh, it, it propels them forward a little yeah. bit, right? Because you've got big teams, Anderlecht, mm-hmm. Standard Liège, then playing against Ajax, PSV, mm-hmm. Feyenoord, uh, Club Bruges. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's mm-hmm. a more viable commercial entity than the two separate leagues. Yeah, and I think that... Like the Netherlands, I would say on reputation has a has a better one than the Belgian league. So there maybe is a little bit of a like ah, I'd rather go to the Netherlands versus Belgium. You combine them, maybe there's more opportunities for players going there. And then if there is more money, if it is a more competitive league, yeah. then more people want to see it, which means there's more TV money coming in, which means there's more money to spend. Yep. So you could see the logic and how it could grow and be more sustainable, and then allow those teams and the overall leagues to uh, develop and get even stronger. Two reasons this might happen. Mm-hmm. One, they already did it for hockey. The ice hockey leagues okay. in Belgium and the Netherlands combined, it's called the Bene League, mm-hmm. um, 2015. The Bene League? Yeah. And then the Bene Liga would be the, the yeah, soccer I know. one. It's, they, it's, don't, it's, they don't want your marketing <laughs> input. <laughs> um, Johnny Infantino uh-huh. has basically 
left the door a little bit open. Yeah, money's involved. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but FIFA is generally yeah. opposed to um, mm-hmm. leagues playing cross borders. There's an exception for Welsh teams playing in the English League. There's an exception for Canadian teams playing in Major League Soccer. But Infantino has said that he understands that the smaller European leagues feel just overshadowed by mm. the Premier League and so on. And he says maybe this helps. Maybe it's the only way out. Maybe in Europe they have to think about this. And you know what? 96-team World Cup. Well, right. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only possible solution. I think – so I don't fully know the ins and outs, but mm-hmm. I think I'm pro this. Because yeah. I just want teams you like – You tell by the way you – Uncertainly said that at the very end. <laughs> I think I'm pro. Well, I'm, I'm just yeah. really aware that there might be there might be all kinds of variables that I don't mm-hmm. know about. Like there might be smaller teams in the Netherlands that are yeah. just like, no, this will kill. It. Go ahead, Eagles might be like, no, the Eagles will die. Um, but <laughs> at least for teams like Ajax, yep. like historically really big teams mm-hmm. that are struggling. Like, I think the uh, Champions League semi final thing was kind of um, yep. an outlier, yep. right? Because financially they just can't keep up with the rest of Europe. Anything they can do to sort of maintain uh, financial mm-hmm. viability, I think, is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, and even if they just remain super dominant in this league, though they're not very dominant right now, but if they were to, it at the very least makes it seem like, yeah, a new league with even more teams, and yet they're yeah. still still right there. Again, more money makes it maybe a little bit easier for them to turn down offers when people come in for their players. Yeah. So maybe they just hang on to play people a couple more seasons. I just realized this could be good for U.S. national team players as well, yeah. or U.S. youth national team mm-hmm. players, because Belgium and the Netherlands mm-hmm. is the kind of place where a lot of players land, yep. right? Like Alex Mendes at Young Ajax mm-hmm. right now, so Junior Dest obviously started there. Um, they would be exposed to a higher level of competition, mm-hmm. possibly a little bit more money if there's more money in the league. So if we're sending players to these leagues, to Belgium and the Netherlands, this is good for young American players. It really is. And it's just, I've just had this weird like shot reminder. Do you remember there was a time years ago when we were both sort of bemoaning that Mexico seemed to have this pipeline from Liga Mekis to the Netherlands? Yeah. And how that seemed to be kind of a like an and easy... And Portugal. It was Portugal and the Netherlands they kept going to. Yeah. And I'm very excited now that we've got lots of young Americans going to the Netherlands and obviously the Bundesliga as well. Times have changed, Daryl. Somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> still have. a long way to go, but still it was just a moment of like, oh yeah, we've got yep. young Americans in the Netherlands. That's exciting. Let's keep that going. The times they are changing. Hooray! Uh, that is it for me in things that we have missed. I'm going to assume Ooh. you've got at least one more. I, ha- I do have one more. Uh-huh. It's the FIFA Push Cash Potential yeah. Award winner. It's that goal from Jordan uh-huh. Flores for Dundalk yep. in the League of Ireland, mm-hmm. which if you've been on Twitter in the last 48 hours, you've definitely, definitely seen. You probably have. So it's a League of Ireland game. It's uh, Shamrock Rovers are hosting Dundalk. And Jordan Flores, who's English, by the way, mm-hmm. um, scores this volley. Get him on that team. Scores a volley off a corner, which really genuinely could win the Pushkas Award mm-hmm. for best goal of the year. Yep. So what happens is um, it's a corner kick that is sent to the very, very, very far post. Everybody goes near post for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't fully understand why that has happened. And Jordan Flores catches it's it. It's a conspiracy. The fix is in. <laughs> Have you seen those um, that sport that I think they play in Thailand? Yes. That's a great description. Well, it's, Sorry. Kind of, it's kind of like volleyball, but with your feet, but the volleys are really high. He catches it that high. Like The volley is called, above yeah. his head, right? The sport that seems to defy physics and doesn't make any sense yes. as to how people can do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I fully believe that that's like made up in CGI, and yet you're absolutely right that that is what this looks Jordan like. Jordan Flores could play that sport. Oof. Yeah, He does some yoga, I'm guessing. He's, he's got some flexibility. He's very limber, right? It's a yeah. good goal. He catches this volley high and mm. hits it. Normally a volley, if you catch it mm. high, it goes high, right? Yep. 
he hits it weirdly flat, mm-hmm. like as in he managed to strike it so it, it travels flat like a torpedo right into the top corner. Flat like a torpedo. That's the equaliser for Dundalk. They went on to lose 3-2, but oh. nobody cares about that. Because nope. Jordan Flores... Is going to win the Pushcast Award? <laughs> he, he's got a very good chance of winning the Pushcast Award. I do it's love only, it when they it's give only it, February. I love it when they give it to it those types of goals, like the, the lower league, the goals yeah, you yeah. haven't seen. Whenever, whenever it goes to like the goal that won the Premier League, it's like, that's cool, but yeah, you're yeah, giving yeah. it to the situation, not the quality of the goal. It's also fun to see Supreme technique uh-huh. in the low league because you also know assuming Jordan, Flor- Jordan Flores isn't this like magically undiscovered player who goes on to be like an England international and play mm-hmm. for Liverpool or something it's just that this one guy is just capable of this one magic moment and he gets to have it and it's like he's famous around the world yep. it's it's a great great moment it is I love you can always tell the quality of the league or like where it's coming from by the quality of the replays and I enjoy that after the second replay from a different angle it goes back to the original one but just slowed down even more <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, okay. That seems about right. This is one time I didn't mind multiple replays. Yeah, so I, was I was good v- with it. Very, very happy to mm-hmm. watch. So you said no more news from you? No more from me. No more news from me. No other soccer news has happened in None. the last few weeks. None. I did find myself like going back a, a few weeks to The Athletic and The Guardian and everything else to try to find different stories. I'm sure there's lots of other stuff that we have not touched upon uh, and that we'll hear about. But yeah, I feel, I feel confidently caught up for yeah. the most part right now. And if you are looking for um, reviews of the, all the action in the mm-hmm. opening weekend of Major League Soccer, then either just after or just before mm-hmm. in your podcast feed, we haven't quite figured out the order yet, nah. right? You will find the first in-season episode Hooray. of MLS Assist. I'm excited. Joe and Jordan breaking down all the Major League Soccer action. I really, really encourage you to listen um, when they've got, especially now they've got some games to sink their tactical teeth into. Do we know which games they're doing? I, it's in a Google Doc somewhere, but right. I can't recall it from the top of my head. Odd, as long as they know, we're good. Odds that it's uh, LAFC Miami? I, I, I feel like pretty good. I've learned from stories that you're not supposed to bet on things that you're involved oh, with. Oh, that's true. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to go tell my brother that I'm <laughs> but you should, that. By the way, you should put all your money um, on me getting a transfer to Severe. Okay. It's definitely happening. Cool. <laughs> definitely happening. I will call my bookie. I don't have a bookie, and I never have, and I don't fully understand how that works. Uh, but I do have a decent understanding of how the scouting network works. Shall we move to oh, the TSS scouting network? I'm glad you said that, because I was about to say goodbye. As is tradition. Um, <laughs> we have several scouting reports to get through, but Daryl, first, how can people become members of the scouting network? You go to totalsoccershow.com slash join. Interesting. Sign up to support the show with mm-hmm. a financial contribution, and we will make you a member of the scouting network and give you a player to track. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's a few, there's two or three people right now um, who I haven't assigned uh, a player to. They've emailed me and said, can you please assign me a player? The answer is yes. I will mm-hmm. get that done. I'm off to Boston tomorrow. I'll have some free time. I will get you your player while I'm in Boston. And to be fair, the only reason why you haven't had a chance to do that yet is because you told me this off air. You personally dislike those people who have not yet gotten their players. Is that correct? That is not correct. Okay. <laughs> I'm not I'm not yes and in your now. But I do enjoy the Scouting Network for many reasons. One of them is that it helped me do my, oh, yeah, that happened sort of research. Yeah. Starting with uh, our first report from Russell Finley, scouting Eric Palmer-Brown, 22-year-old American center back on loan at Austria, v- Austria Vienne from Man City. EPB has continued a solid campaign for Austria Vienne. He's gone 90 in each of his last eight games. That's very good because that was not the case previously. In games where EPB starts, uh, Vienne have given up 1.09 goals per game. When he doesn't, it's 2.9 per game. He also scored an 89th minute equalizer Sunday against Jesse Marsh's RB Salzburg. That's what reminded me that I should probably talk about Jesse Marsh on ah. today's episode. So, wow. So mm-hmm. they, Austrian equalized in the 89th mm-hmm. and then scored the winner later on? Or is this, is no, this they from drew, previous week? They drew. They drew this game. 
Um, but then they lost to like two other teams. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So this yep. is part of the bad run of form. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, Francisco Samiento is scouting Danny Leva, the 16-year-old defensive mid for the Seattle Sounders. I think I know this news. Francisco says Danny Leva made his debut in the CONCACAF mm-hmm. Champions League, playing a total of 16 minutes, played with intensity, and helped spur his team onto a 2-2 draw. Seems like Joe Lowry's very specific prediction from MLS Assist of tripling his minutes from last season is looking positive. I also happen to know that Danny Leva started this weekend for the Seattle Sounders started in central midfield at 16. There we go. Yeah. That's, that's slightly better than what I was doing at 16, which is not starting for an MLS mm-hmm. team. Uh, Todd Ito. Scouting. Does MLS exist? Uh, you, when I, yes, thank yeah. you. I think. Yes, it exists. <laughs> um, yeah, I was 12 when it started. All right. So there you go. Uh, Todd Ito scouting Takafusa Kubo, 18-year-old Japanese attacker on loan at Mallorca from Real Madrid. I was also not on loan at Mallorca from Real Madrid, if people <laughs> are curious. Uh, Kubo had a potential breakout game against I was Ron on Batiste. holiday at Mallorca. That counts. There yeah. you go. Same thing. <laughs> kind of counts. Uh, uh, had a breakout game against, or potential breakout game against Rabatis, uh, netting a goal, registri- registering an assist, and sort of almost getting another assist. Uh, he had a shot blocked after a nice dribble. The ball was then put back into the net. That would be the almost assist. Uh, he then uh, had a nice cutback pass uh, before scoring a goal that probably should have been saved, but still a goal is a goal. Reports in Spain suggest Madrid may try to bring Martin Odegaard back to Real Madrid next year, even though he will only have finished one of his two-year loan uh, to Sociedad. And the speculation is that Sociedad would only approve that if Kubo was then sent uh, to Sociedad to make up for Odegaard then being uh, given back to Madrid, basically. I got it. So they do a swap deal. They say, give us Odegaard back yep. and we'll give you Kubo to fill in for that one. Exactly. Year. All right. Correcta mundo. If Emilio Calderon mm. is scouting Reese James, 20-year-old English right-back for Chelsea and Daryl's favourite. Emilio says uh, James is enjoying an extended run in the Chelsea side, having cemented himself as a future starter under Frank Lampard. Unfortunately, his Euro 2020 prospects seem a pipe dream now with Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kyle Walker, Aaron Wambasaka, and Kieran Trippier all ahead of him. Yeah, that's a deep squad. If you were going to take we're two, deep it right back. If you're going to take two of those, who would you take? I'm assuming Trent. Trent. Mm-hmm. It's tough, right? I'm 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 guessing it's in that order right now, but maybe it's AWB flips with Kyle Walker. I know that. Um, I think if you're Gareth Southgate uh-huh. in his head right now, based on recent squad selections, it's been Trent and Kieran Trippier hmm. for the two. I'd be tempted by Wambasaka just to have a. Oh, we're up against uh, someone with a really strong mm-hmm. left wing, and we just need a fully defensive performance. Yeah, because you are the best defender in the world. I'd, ha- I'd have AWB as a the, the mm-hmm. lockdown right back defend that guy. I like it. You know what I'm saying? I like it. All right. Well, hopefully Gareth Southgate is listening, and if not, he should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Andriani scouting Andre Green, 21 year old English winger on loan at Charlton from Aston Villa. Charlton are playing Green not as a winger, but as a center forward to support striker uh, Lyle Taylor, as opposed to out on the wings, as I said. Uh, Lyle Taylor not helping with every English person I've ever met asking me if my first name was Taylor and not my surname. Thanks a lot, Lyle. Uh, as a result, uh, Andre Green has contributed two goals and an assist in seven championship matches since his move in January. Uh, more promisingly, he has also played over 450 minutes in that time compared to fewer than 90 in the first half of the season at Preston. Shres Romani is scouting Dan Axel Zagadou, the 20-year-old English centre-back for Borussia Dortmund. Shres says Zagadou scored his first goal of the season in Dortmund's 2-0 win over Werder Bremen last weekend. The goal came off a Jadon Sancho corner, which went over Erling Haaland and Matt Hummel's heads and Zagadou had outmuscled his marker and volleyed home a neat finish from the edge of the six yard box it wasn't, wasn't quite Jordan Flores but it was pretty impressive go on then Aquel. Uh James Porter scouting Joseph Tanganga 20 year old English defender for Spurs Tanganga was rested midweek in the Champions League uh, your comment just registered and it made me chuckle uh, he was rested midweek in the Champions League but started over Serge Aurier in a 2-1 loss to Chelsea Tanganga was stout and def- physically defensive uh, excuse me physical defensively there we go showing the 
athleticism to contain Ross Barkley and Mason Mount when they ran into his area. He was surprisingly good offensively, making a few line-splitting passes forward, but fluffed his lone chance for goal when his first touch let him down on an Alderweireld long ball into the box. I look forward to the Tanganga report from this past weekend. Mm, interesting. It has not yet come in, but so do I. Wolves beat Spurs 3-2. Mm-hmm. Um, Anurag Anjaria is scouting <laughs> Andrea Novakovic, the 23-year-old American striker for Frozenone. <laughs> Anurag says um, Novakovic got on the score sheet with a man-of-the-match performance in Frozenone's 2-0 win over Cosenza in Serie B. Things are really looking up for Novakovic. In the 14th minute, he assisted his side's opening goal by shrugging off a defender near the edge of the box and fizzing in a fast low cross to the near post for his teammate to put away. Six minutes later, Novakovic got on the score sheet himself, finishing off a fast counter-attack with a beautiful first-time curler from the top of the 18. In their next game against Salernitana, Novakovic scored the winner and helped keep his team near the top of the table. So, so I had heard stuff about Novakovic from his coach. I've seen uh-huh. a couple of quotes about how he's not scoring, but he's doing things that mm-hmm. no one else can do in terms of providing link-up play and all that. Now he's suddenly scoring and assisting yeah. and uh, Frosinone going up the table. It's all looking good for Andrea. I mean, they're like, it is ridiculous. I checked Serie B's, Serie B's table. It's, I think they're like 20 points behind who's ever top of the table, but they are second. So at least yeah. there's that. Top two go up, right? Uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty so. sure. Um, and was Novakovic on the Olympic 50 player? I think he's too old. He's already 23. Okay. I wasn't sure, but that was the one that I immediately went to when you said no big names. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long name. It counts. It is. Like how Arnold Schwarzenegger is the biggest name in movies. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next report comes from Guy Yedweb, scouting Serge Gnabry, 24-year-old German wide forward for Bayern Munich, also having a decent time of late. Gnabry celebra- celebrated his 100th Bayern appearance with a goal in their 3-2 thriller against Paderborn, marking four straight Bundesliga seasons with 10-plus goals. This was then overshadowed by two more Champions League goals in, in London in Bayern's 3-0 thumping of Chelsea. He capped it all off by netting the opener this past weekend in Bayern's 6-0 win over Hoffenheim. If you want to hear more about the protests and everything else that happened at the end of that game, including the kind of keepy-uppy competition that happened, uh, <laughs> you can listen to The Weekend Review. Ryan and I talk about that uh, at the very end of the show. Can I just ask, so I, I haven't listened mm-hmm. to The Weekend Review and I haven't seen anything from this game. Yep. Did the six goals happen before the protest yes. start? So mm-hmm. this game was already over yes. at this point. Okay, Very Got much it. so. Yep. Got it. Um, Adam no, they, they literally did not play for the last 13 minutes of the game. I've seen the footage of them kicking it yep. back, but I didn't know if that was like before the act- actual action got yep. started or after Hoffenheim had been beaten up 6-0. It would be hilarious if Thomas Muller pulled a Thomas Muller and then just like dribbled the length of the field and scored. Like, what, <laughs> we were, you guys didn't know that was going to happen? 7-0, in your face. Well, what I find kind of funny is that um, you could suggest that maybe um, Dietmar Hopp hasn't spent enough money on Hoffenheim yeah. if they were 6-0 down. That is the part that gets lost in that one, yeah. It's like, there's such a threat. He's spending so much money. There's no way we can compete. We beat them 6-0. We beat them 6-0 with Timo Bull's money. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Yasaman is scouting Matthew Harper, the 18-year-old American mm. striker for Schalke. Mm-hmm. Matthew Harper also, I believe, follows us on Twitter, so he may listen to the show. Hi, Matthew. Um, Adam says, Matthew scored in a recent match against Arminia Bielfeld. Good for you, Matthew. Bringing his total to five goals and an assist across all competitions for Schalke U19. That is there pretty go. good. All yeah. right. That'll work. That'll work. Look at us. We're, we're, all, we're all pro Matthew Harper now. You might listen to the show. Hey, Matthew. You're doing great, buddy. Keep yeah. it up. Uh, final report comes from Matt Koss, scouting Luca Toussaint, a uh, 22-year-old French midfielder on loan at Lyon from Hertha Berlin. Uh, I'm just going to read Matt's quote word for word. Uh, quote, I woke up uh, my sleeping roommate with my Vuvuzela <laughs> as Lucas uh, scored the match-winning goal in Lyon's 1-0 first leg Champions League match against Juventus. It's his last Champions League season with Lyon before he transfers to Hertha Berlin at the end of the season, end quote. Uh, I don't know why you're utilizing your Vuvuzela, Matt, but I approve of it uh, in this one specific situation. I'm guessing Matt went to the 2010 World Cup and it's just like a leftover souvenir 
to be used for super annoying occasions. That could be. <laughs> that could very well be. Thank you to everybody. Oh, man, I don't miss those. Thank you to everybody for the scouting report. Thank you to everybody who supports the show at totalsockshow.com slash join. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Taylor for putting the most annoying noise in the world over the part where I'm asking uh, people for money. Jim Carrey has already told us the most <laughs> uh, annoying noise in the it world, and I will similar. not do it. It's basically that, but louder and longer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you to everybody for listening. Mm. Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, Listeners, thank you for listening. We will talk to you again very soon. Bye.